This is Mike Burek, your host for Made in Ukraine, a podcast series focusing on technology products and startups in Ukraine. And I'm here today with Andriy Sevrikov, who is the CEO of a Ukrainian tech startup by the name of AgriEye. Nice to hear you. So what what do you want to know about AgriEye? I can answer all your questions. Yes. Well, I'm I'm curious about the company. I know that uh, you're actually in the space called AgTech. Apparently, there are a couple of companies that are doing things in Ukraine in the AgTech area. So I wanted to talk a little bit about what makes you different. And maybe to start off with, we can talk a little bit more about what is the climate like for tech startups in Ukraine at the moment? Uh, sure. So for the beginning, I will tell more about my company, what Agri is and what is its story. And uh, also later on, I'll uh, tell you about the climate. So uh, Agri is an agtech company and uh, the idea uh, came to me one and a half year ago when we started the company early 2016. Now we're about one year, and we started from developing multispectral camera. And uh, our first uh, the way of thinking was the uh, precision agriculture in AgTech is uh, not here in Ukraine yet, just because of the price of equipment. Equipment is quite expensive, so we decided to develop a cheap, really affordable multispectral camera, and we started with that one. So our first, our first hypothesis was that the successful key, the key to success is a price, and the business model was just to sell the multispectral camera, and we developed it, and we start testing on the market. First, we go to Svarok West Group, is one of the most innovative land farming companies in Ukraine, and we started the pilot project with uh, uh, former company Eva here in Odessa, where I'm from. And we started a pilot project with Vperiod, uh, means forward. Uh, it's in Kharkiv region, about 7,000 hectares. So in total, we have projects on about 20,000 hectares of uh, farmlands. And are these all, all beta test projects at this point? Yeah, it's, it, it is all testing. We have to test our equipment we designed. And we realized that the farmer, they actually don't need camera. They need service and consulting. And we developed the service. We called it Aggregate. And we started this with uh, company Eva. Uh, it was a full one-year support for a farm. Uh, we started uh, including aerial photo, uh, multispectral cameras, drones, and uh, chemical analysis of soils. And uh, later on, we realized as well this this business model is not very convenient for us, and it also is not very convenient for land farmers, because it takes too much time from uh, from them and takes too much resources from us, and it's too too expensive to run here in Ukraine. So now we developed the third one business model, which we believe is the best one, and nobody uses it in the world. And uh, we made a multispectral camera. We upgraded it a little bit, and we make it made it open source. So actually, now it's possible to assemble a multispectral camera from the consumer electronic parts. It's not so scientific anymore. We designed a software which allows uh, the standard uh, standard consumer electronics uh, uh, sensor to be 
almost same precise as the most expensive uh, scientific sensors uh, in the market. And we start to test the hypothesis when you can give to, to the landformer the UAV and the camera just for free if, we, if he subscribes for, uh, for, for our services. Uh, and we understood that we don't have to go to our client anymore. We don't have to buy a car to hire a pilot for a drone. We don't have to keep all this equipment and this unnecessary capitalization anymore. And our services become, I think, three times cheaper. And for land farmer, he doesn't need to buy a multispectral camera anymore because he doesn't need it. He doesn't need a photo of his farm. Uh, he also doesn't need to buy most expensive software for the processing of images like uh, Photoscan or Pix4D. Uh, and we provide the service with our online, uh, with our website now. So if the farmer, if he's more than 500 hectares, subscribes for our services, we for free give him the drone and the camera and he scans the field on its own. And we made the use case really easy. Just you have to take the drone with you throw it away somewhere near the field and it will fly automatically and return and drop down. Then you pick it up, come back home, connect to your computer and all that automatically will go to his uh, cloud drive where it will be processed and will be available already processed in his uh, client window on our, uh, on our website. Right. So tell me a little bit about your pricing. I know you're still in beta test, but what kind yeah, of, what yeah, kind of price point do you think your package will have? Uh, I think it will be ten dollars per per one hectare annually, and it will be dependent on how much farmer is going to take photos. As I know now, the prices for similar services are uh, like uh, from seven till fifteen dollars per one hectare just photo, no analysis, no data, uh, nothing, just photo. And this. Uh, and this possibility we found just by business model and and the ability to build uh, the sensor which is uh, easy to provide right so and let's get back to the basic concept of the uh, of the product or the service if you will the idea is that the farmer is able to take high quality photo images of his or her land in order to decide where to place um, uh, herbicides and things like that and other kinds of chemicals? Yeah, sure. Actually, it works like uh, the farmer, he even don't need to, to deal with the photos. He just deals with the drone and with our web interface. And uh, after he, the drone processed the field, all the data goes to the server where it's processed and uh, returned in the, in, the, in the view of map. Where the farmer can see where he can put more uh, herbicides or less or some maybe fertilizers and uh, if he have a special machines which can do it automatically he can uh, export and the map for these machines like for example if he use john deere so if they, he, he can export a shape file to run it automatically by his john deere truck Right. Now, what are the farmers doing now in terms of this kind of technology? Is there any technology like this that exists in Ukraine? Uh, yeah, we have. We have some services, the same like our aggregate. There's uh, Drone UA, AgroDrone, and a few more services which do actually the same. But uh, this kind of technology is not market fit. 
because here in Ukraine we have like uh, 50,000 uh, different tractors in total and only one percent of them is uh, uh, is new enough to run precision agriculture because most of the equipment here in Ukraine is outdated and the only use you can get from the precision uh, scanning of the field is uh, is a picture and understanding what is going on but nothing more you cannot afford here uh, new new vehicles because we don't have uh, yeah, actually, the farmers, they don't own land in Ukraine, so they cannot go to the bank and take money to buy new equipment. So, I don't know, this, uh, these services are not market fit here. It's, uh, it's useless, actually, in Ukraine. So, we decide, decided to shift our service to New York, and we start, I think, this month, to travel to United States of America to try our best in the American market. And also, we started the pilot project in Peru, in Lima, uh, with uh, 1,000 hectares of farmlands. And looks like the Lima is uh, in Peru is an incredible market. It's very similar to Ukraine. Actually, they have uh, the oligarchs and corruption the same way. It's awful, but they never have Soviet Union, so then they don't have outdated equipment. And in the period when it was BRICS, they've got a lot of investment into agriculture and they bought new equipment so most of the technique they use in the field is new and uh, this technical is compatible with precision agriculture and they like to buy the services like we provide but now that you're moving out of ukraine what is the competitive environment like what other companies will you compete with in the west uh, well, I, th I think there are uh, some consulting companies and the companies who provide the similar equipment but uh, our competitive advantage is we provide equipment for no price. So farmers don't pay for a drone or for a camera. They get it for free. And the, compet the good competitive solution, I think, is uh, Parrot Sequoia. Parrot is very nice. They use nice UAV and a good camera. But the resolution they provide is 1.2 megapixel, and we use Sony Exmor RS sensor, which provides 8 megapixels better resolution. It's actually six times better. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Okay. What about the company eFarmer? I understand that they. Uh, uh, eFarmer. Uh, oh, you know Michel Utkin. You know him. I've heard of him. I've, I've read a little bit about the company. What do they do, and how does I, I, it? I know this guy. I know. I know this guy well. Very nice people, and they design totally different equipment. They're they developing actually autopilot system for uh, for land farming machines. And uh, I think they are not successful in Ukrainian markets, same as me. But they have uh, good opportunities in Europe now, and they are developing in Holland and in Germany. And I think most of their pilot project is in Germany. But they also have a good field management system. I'm not sure if the project is still uh, going, but their field management was quite good. It was the uh, user interface was simple and was understandable to the farmer. And what is the farmer now itself is a uh, quite good uh, traction system. Uh, they developed a very precision GPS sensor which allows to control the vehicle position from a smartphone. You don't need to use uh, expensive equipment like Raven or Trimble anymore, so you can just use your Android or Apple smartphone.
Right. Now, will you be competing with them in the U.S.? Are they in the U.S. at this point? Uh, I, I, th I think no. I, I think we will develop together because they provide the other part of precision land farming than we do. Uh, I think, I think more, we, the best way for us is not to compete but to be partners in uh, every market we go in because if you use uh, tractor traction system together with precision drones, it gives much more result than use each solution uh, independently. Okay. So what about your investors? I understand that uh, last year you got one investor in, um, Alexei Spirid. Yeah, Alexei Spirid is a good friend of mine now. And he is former founder of EasyPay. It's a financial service allowing to pay for services and goods through internet. And uh, they also developed the machines which are in the street. You can pay by cash for some, I don't know, for some services as well, or for the for the mobile mobile chargers, mobile phone chargers. Uh, and it was quite sophisticated in Ukraine. Now it is sold to Sergei Tigipko and Alexei is out of the business with EasyPay now. And now we together develop AgriAI. Right. And I understand he invested 150000 US. Uh, yeah, it's true. And we uh, developed the service and the camera for that money and uh, run the pilot projects. But actually, the pilot projects was not for free, so... <laughs> Uh, we, we get some profit this year, not much, but uh, we get something. Right. And, and what about other investors? Are there any other investors who have come in or who you think might come in in the near term? Uh, we are now in negotiation with uh, Starta Accelerator in New York. And uh, now they're going to invest about... Uh, I think 200,000 to test hypothesis in the American market. And later on, we will look for, I think, uh, three and a half million US to scale up through American market and uh, 1.7 million US more to scale up through Latin American market. Right. But the $200,000 investment, can you tell me what company that is? It's a startup. Uh, it's uh, accelerate. It's a startup accelerator called Starta. Starta. It is Starta. Okay. Uh, it's located in New York, and uh, and they're supporting startups from Ukraine and Russia to scale to American market. Interesting. United. So, are you going to relocate to the U.S.? Uh, not not exactly relocate. We're going to scale. So you'll be doing a lot of traveling in the, in the U.S. and South America yourself. Uh, I think so. Yes. <laughs> how large How large is your company staff wise now? I know you had four four people who actually founded it. Uh, oh now, yeah. Now we're I think twenty percent more big. We are five now. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> uh, but I'm not sure. Uh, at least for the moment, we need more people because we don't need to support their field teams anymore now the farmer does all the stuff uh, which was done by the field team before because in in october uh, there was 15 people working with agri while we run pilot project and right. they're and now they're all gone because uh, there was no task for them anymore okay 
while we run the business model with aggregate, like we came to the field using our own UAV, our own camera, scan the field, then we go back with the data, and then we process the data and give the reply to the farmer. It was taking a lot of time. Now it's much more easy when you can when when you send a drone to the farmer. The cost of the drone for us is like six hundred US, and is much less than if we come to the farmer by our own uh, four times a year. Okay, so so there's really there's really no technical support necessary under the current business model. Yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, we have technical support, but uh, now we five is enough to run it. Okay. Actually, we use you know uh, regarding technical support, we use a web plat platform developed by Microsoft called Azure. It's uh, quite quite convenient. They have uh, all the parts regarding the GIS service and. Uh, uh, other stuff supported automatically. They bought ArcGIS, and now ArcGIS is included to their Azure. And most of our web interface is actually in ArcGIS, uh, which is quite easy to use, and it's uh, clearly understandable to the farmer. And uh, all the support of the of this fundament fundamental platform is done by the Microsoft and by uh, by ArcGIS by S three. So is, is your intention now really to focus on the U.S. and the Latin American market? It is. We are also thinking about uh, about uh, New Zealand. We had a, a hypothesis that it is possible to apply a service in Australia, but uh, we realized that uh, Australia is uh, like, you know, totally different world. Uh, they, they handle with the cops using helicopters. I have a friend from Australia ask him, is it possible that in Australia somebody will use drones to scan fields? He answered me, no. Because they have an average uh, farmer in back like 7,500 hectares. That's 7,500 hectares, he can afford a plane to scan the field. So he doesn't need drone. Huh. He don't need, and don't, he don't need small multispectral camera. He will use uh, the big one, I think, for, for this if you have a plane. Right, right. And we are mostly targeting, you know, small, medium business land farms and family farms, which are like more than 200 hectares and less than 5,000 hectares. Because this is a part of the market where technology, for, for these farmers, technology is not affordable yet. And I think with our solution, they can become more precision and more green and then can make much more, and they can be much more effective. So within the and, U, within the U.S., uh, do you have any sense, percentage-wise, of how many of these uh, target farms have the kind of precision machinery to be able to handle your your service? Oh, it must depend from state to state. The U.S. agricultural agtech market is so different. It's like, for for example, if you look New Jersey, New Jersey is very similar to Europe. It's like average farmer is less than 20 hectares and they're all uh, more concentrated on tourism and they don't use drones to be effective. They like to use old-fashioned machinery because it's more hobby than a business. Right. But if, but if you look at Teca, Te, 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 Texas or like maybe Ohio, mm -hmm. uh, 
Tough is totally different. The average farmer is more than 150 hectares and they are quite technically sophisticated. They use modern machinery, they use uh, class or Luxion, and uh, they like to use satellite imagery and they use drones to scan the fields. So this is a market we are going to try. Right, right. So tell me a little bit about the climate for tech startups in Ukraine. I know you're based in Odessa. Um, and in some respects, I guess, in the past, there hasn't been a lot of tech startup activity in Odessa. So what is going on in Ukraine as a whole and then specifically in Odessa? Oh, okay. That's, uh, I can tell you a lot about this because I'm uh, like a co-founder of Black Sea Summit. It's the biggest uh, high-tech conference here in the Odessa region and one of the biggest in Ukraine. And also, together with the people we do Black Sea Summit, we founded Startup Odessa. With, uh, which is an uh, organization to assist high-tech startups to develop into scale-ups or successful businesses. And it's all based on the... Uh, if, you know, if you know this uh, startup Amsterdam, uh, yeah. Ruben Nuvenbus, he wrote a book how to develop the startup city mm -hmm. or startup system. It's called, uh, it called Startup City. And uh, we took that book and we use it like uh, directions to build a startup-friendly ecosystem and try to develop entrepreneurship here. But there's uh, the other problem we have is an educational problem and uh, lack of engineering skills from the people we have here now. And uh, if the people are engineers, they're often not entrepreneurs completely. So, like for example, if the people, some people can do something. But they don't have, have no any idea how to make business with the stuff they do. Right. And to fix that one, we developed a DESA makers community. There's a community of the engineers who already uh, built some businesses or already have startups to help one another. Uh, we have, I think, uh, at the moment we have three laboratories in the community. And in totally in Odessa, there are five laboratories where you can work. It's like uh, hacker spaces. Mm -hmm. And the hacker spaces are usually the homes of tech startups uh, here, here in Odessa, actually. Yeah, and uh, we have, I think, about maybe 50 projects in total which you're able to survive for enough time to develop. I think not more. And uh, we are going to fix that. And our, our mission is to make uh, thousand startups here in Odessa till end of uh, 2017. I think, I think we'll succeed right. to get 1,000 startups. And what about the access to investment capital? How easy or difficult is it to find money for a tech startup? Uh, we, have, we, don't, we don't have here investment traditions in Ukraine. Uh, as you know, Ukraine is a raw material economy. And uh, the tech startups usually develop products, and the investors here they are not they are not used to deal with the products. And uh, if it's something needs uh, engineering skills or uh, or some capitalization to manufacture it, or if it's difficult to understand, they they will not invest. So most of the products developed here in Ukraine are invested by foreign companies or by venture investment associations or funds. And most of the technical projects, they start with investment from 
not local funds like from Western East Enterprise Fund or from uh, or, or with grants from USAID or with I don't know with so, nine, nine. Soros perhaps. Uh, yes, Soros. I have never heard Soros invested Ukrainian startups, but maybe. So uh, we have a capitalist association here, here called UVCA, it's Ukrainian Venture Capitalist Association, and they support startups a lot. And the head is Andrei Kolodyuk, a nice person actually, and they help Ukrainian startups to scale uh, mostly to the American market. Uh, this year, I think they took uh, several companies to CES. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've, been, I've, I've spoken with Hydees, which is one of the companies that went to CES this year. Uh, and, they're, they're, and they're going to proceed with that one. They're also represented Ukrainian startups in the World Economic Forum in Davos this year. And actually, one of Startup Odessa people also was in Davos this year was Anastasia Slipsova. Uh, she is a co-founder of uh, Startup Odessa and my partner with Blexi Summit. And I think we're going to... Yeah, the situation needs development. We have to build... Uh, if we like to build a product economy here in Ukraine, we have to... We have to learn from Europe. We have to learn from the United States how to develop product economy. So as your company develops and as you're moving out of the Ukrainian market specifically, will, will your company continue to be headquartered in Odessa? Uh, we will not go, we will not leave Ukrainian market. I think we'll be like Octec enthusiasts here and we will uh, develop this uh, direction of agriculture here in Ukraine. I think uh, it's necessary to do. And then one last question, where, where do you see the company in five years from now? What do you think the vision for the company will be? Will it uh, In five years from now, I think we will uh, cover the market in the United States and Latin America. I think it will be uh, 0.5 total available market. I mean a half a percent of total available market. And I think we'll cover about three to four percent in the market in New Zealand. Uh, I think it's like, you know, uh, FAO says that uh, it's like 500 million land farmers in the world. With average, uh, with average land like two hectares. And there are like 100 million farmers in the world with, uh, which we are targeting actually from 200 till 1000 hectares. And now we know we know how to reach them, and as we have a don't have how we don't have a, a competition with completely the same solution, so we believe it will be like up about five percent, maybe. Okay, well, I I want to uh, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Andre, and I wish you the best of luck with your venture and your travels in the U.S. and Latin America. All right, thank you. Thank you very much, Michelle. All right, take care now. Bye-bye. Yeah, goodbye. This is Mike Burek, your host for Made in Ukraine, a podcast series focusing on technology products and startups in Ukraine.